This is the PSA Podcast, where we deep dive into the business of technology and automation. Welcome back to the PSA Podcast, where we deep dive into the business of technology and automation. I'm Marty Wolf, and with me in the studio today is Michael McHale. I say that because his mom wants him to be called Michael on the air, right, Michael? That is 100% correct. Michael McHale, and he is the CEO of PSA Systems, which stands for Production Systems Automation. So, Mike, we're back for another PSA podcast. This one looks like it's going to be really special. Yeah, we are. This is a really interesting one. This is a little outside of the scope of what uh, PSA does. But it's still in the technology range. Yeah. So uh, I'd like to introduce uh, Anthony God. Anthony is the chief executive officer of uh, God Hammer Gaming Group. And uh, Anthony, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Anthony. So Anthony, why don't you uh, give me uh, give a little give give our our listeners a background on uh, on you and your company and how you got to gaming uh, with an impressive background that you do have as an Emmy award winning career as a chief creative officer. Wow, my background, how I got to gaming is a very, very long story, but I'll, I'll keep it short. Started out as a toy designer for Hasbro and took over for a uh, te- television studio in Vancouver as art director for the first two computer-generated TV shows on TV. Then I worked for a company called Nexon, created a cable company with Comcast, a cable channel with Comcast, sold a game studio to Disney, and now I started an esports company in Atlantic City, New Jersey. It's a whole bunch of stuff. The common thread line through all of it has to be entertainment and digital entertainment specifically. Hmm. Digital entertainment. Okay. Well, let's let's go down that path a little bit. So, well, you know, I think everyone is somewhat aware of esports, but maybe we should give a definition to esports. Go. Uh. Uh. uh it's actually pretty simple. The Esports is just competitive video games. It's a it's a relatively new phrase for something that started as soon as gaming came out. You know, in the nineteen seventies, you had Atari with some competitions at arcades, and in the eighties, we have a lot more of those things. You know, who's the best at Donkey Kong? Who's the best at Pac-Man? Esports is a little different in that it's obviously the more modern version, but it's also more the games are created specifically so that you can facilitate competition. Games like Overwatch and League of Legends and Dota and Counter-Strike are all created so that you can play other players. And other than that, the games are different, but the idea is the same as regular sports, which is one team or one individual against another. Sometimes it's a a lot of people. Sometimes like Fortnite, you have 100 people versus one. And in esports, you often have teams five on five, three on three. But people playing video games against each other is the way that I define esports. But, but it's grown to something to be more than that, is it not? It is a professional, I mean, there are events, there are professional uh, competitions. Am I correct there? Esports started, yes. There's, there's events, there's venues, there's programming, there's obviously games, there's big events, there's personal events, there's collegiate events, there's high school events, there's middle school events. There's every kind of event you can think of now. The the, the the way it started in the U.S. was really within the last four or five years. Uh, before that, it was in Asia. Uh, I used to own a Korean company, and we would often see esports players out in the wild, as it were. And they were always accompanied by a huge crowd, like movie stars. And I thought it was it was interesting that 
in Southern Korea, South Korea, that they had people who played games like StarCraft, which is a kind of like a, a version of accelerated version of chess with, with space characters and spaceships and stuff. Now, these people were looked at at the time back in the you know, mid, mid zero zeros as celebrities. And now it's only grown since then. And America started to pick up on this about four or five years ago. And now it's starting to, to really get into high action, which is where I'm, my company is involved in, hopefully. So, Anthony, let, can you tell, tell me a little bit about technology? How is technology changing, speeding up the games? Like on the, on the tech, you know, from the creative side to the technology side has to be driving better experiences, faster games, more interaction. Um, is is there big changes that come in the future, or are those changes already happened? What what are you seeing? Well, game developers are always looking at trying to assess the kind of technology that's somewhere in the middle. And when it comes to computers, it's difficult because so many different people have different kinds of setups. Some have relatively uh, good setups for work, but those couldn't play games. And other ones that go into the thousands of dollars are really good for games, uh, but maybe outside the need of what you want for your yourself or your kids. So when you look at technology, there's so many different ways that it applies into uh, gaming outside of esports and esports itself. So obviously, video games are only playable on technology. So it started in 1976 with Atari, the home market. And even today, we have consoles that are really the most popular. Uh, you have Nintendo Switch and you have the, the, the last year, the PlayStation 4 and the Xbox One. This year, both of them are, are being replaced. And on the creative side, that replacement from the PlayStation 4 to the PlayStation 5 is a much larger leap than previous generations, both in the ability to compute what's going on in the screen visually, uh, but also in the artificial intelligence that it uses to be able to create the competition in the world around you. So games like Grand Theft Auto, which are not esports games, but are still very good games, excellent games, create a digital universe, much like the Oasis, where the individuals that are on the other side of it are not always a real person but they still have to kind of mimic the behaviors of real people so that the gamer isn't torn away from the experience that they're um, engaged in so artificial intelligence really has a um, the amount of programming data programming data that you have during the game is always limited uh, when you have to split it into player engagement, you have to split mm -hmm. it into environmental graphics, the rules of things. Mm -hmm. But as these these new machines are giving us a much, much, much larger ability to create artificial intelligence for the uh, non-player characters. So on the creative side, it gives you more leeway when to do things. So when I worked at Disney, the, the, the more that we were able to realistically portray Wreck-It Ralph or Star Wars characters, the more the audience always like that you know they always attack themselves more to the more uh realistic portrayals of the such even though you can get away with other things you always want more and more and more right technology never ends uh improving and moore's law seems to be kind of teetering off a bit that's what i hear anyway I, mm -hmm. i'm not a computer i'm not a computer expert mm. but from well, the esports side of it the technology we want the highest most expensive best computers we can get because the, the lag time is not measured in seconds, it's measured in milliseconds mm -hmm. for, competitive, for competitive gaming. Hmm. So be specific, Anthony. What does your firm do or doing or planning on doing in the industry? Talk to me uh, and be as uh, specific as you can. Well, we first started out in Atlantic City 
with a public-private partnership to bring tourism to the city. Uh, the casinos are trying to change the perception of who the clientele should be and attract a younger audience, you know, attract millennials to the city. Um, and the city b- felt that bringing in an esports tourism uh, opportunity would really be good to change the perception of the city. Um, so we entered into that private partnership in 2018. And last year we had a, a few events that were good enough to move Atlantic City into the top 10 esports cities on Market Watch hmm. magazine. So it was pretty good, but it's it's that's how we started. And we worked with Collegiate Star League, a fantastic group out of Canada. Uh, we worked with the uh, UGC and Microsoft doing a Halo event. Uh, we've done sort of a conference-wide show with the Esports Travel Summit where all the people that own and run other esports companies or executives came here to check out Atlantic City as a venue. Mm-hmm. This year, we're doing the, um, I can't say too much yet, but we're launching the American Heart Association's uh, entry into esports, which is going to provide, you know, a lot of esports players, they don't move around a lot physically because they're playing games. And what we want to do is get them out and moving. Now, it, it may sound like that's going to be difficult, but the top esports players in the top esports leagues, uh, a league called Overwatch, for example, which is a professional, one of the top professional leagues in the U.S., all the teams have healthcare regimens that they use in order to stay sharper, relieve stress, improve, improve muscle memory uh, and abilities. So we're bringing that here and the American Heart Association here being in Lake City. And we're going to kick that off in May at Stockton University. So that's one side of our business is doing those kind of things, those events and partnerships. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I'm actually the chair of the American Heart Association's Youth and Gaming Task Force. So that is also something I'm going to try to work in my regular job. The other company, the Godhammer Gaming Group, what we do is we work with other companies to create initiatives inside of three areas that we think are going to be the future of esports. So we, we've looked at, you know, where, where do we think the opportunities are? Where do we think the people are failing? Where do we think other companies are succeeding? What's everybody missing? And we identify those areas, and we're right now looking to engage, create partnerships, and potentially invest in companies that we feel advance our strategies in those areas. Hmm. So that's interesting. You know, the one thing that we're seeing from the industrial design space is that a lot of companies like ABB are starting to make their design platforms sort of 3D interactive where you'd actually walk into a model and see a robot run inside of a model and actually walk around the robot and see it work in real time. So it's kind of transitioning in the college where it's becoming a video game. So some of the things that we're seeing in the industrial space are video games. Um, And it's helping, I think, the younger generations um, feel more comfortable with the products. Mm. Anthony, let's get your, uh, where do you want people to connect with you? What your website is or uh, contact information? Website is www.g3esports.gg. You may instead want, of com, it, yeah, yeah, instead of com, it's gg. All right, okay. So tell tell us what that is. So that's different. G3esports.gg. Yes. What does the GG, GG stand for? for? Good game. Good uh, game. So, it's a phrase that esports companies use after, before, and after a game uh, to just signify that there's a lot of camaraderie, you know, these are sports, but we're also communities. So we want to make sure that everybody is, uh, has a positive experience going in and out of the game. Yeah. Tell me what's happening in, uh, at the collegiate level and, and your relationship to that, if any. 
the collegiate level and the high school levels too, and really the middle school levels, all the, uh, the it is slowly dawning on administrators that this thing is a serious thing. You know, we have whenever we do pitches, we have on our front page, front slide. You know, esports is not a fad; it's a cultural shift, and that to me is an important thing to get out of the way first, because a lot of times when we're talking to people that we're looking for partnerships, not all of these partners are in the esports space. Most of these have had a difficult time um, believing that this is a real thing. Um, some of those have been school administrators or people from school administration who do not really think that this qualifies as a sport. Uh, the NCAA said that esports wasn't and their version of the definition of sport, I think it was uh, sometime in mid-2019, so they were going to pass on it. And that leaves the opportunity to everybody else, uh, independent companies and conferences and schools themselves to self-organize and create leagues um, to legitimize the competitions. Mm -hmm. And our company has been involved, from, I mentioned earlier, from the very beginning. Our first event was a, an event with the Collegiate Star League, which is the currently the largest esports league in the world for colleges. I think it's over 1,100 colleges. Hmm. And we are entering into that space, uh, developing partnerships that we're going to announce soon. But it's right now, it's the Wild West. Everything is open. And it's interesting because if you look back into history, there's two. this is the marriage of two different time periods of time. It's the marriage of the, you know, the early 1900s of New York City had a team and they wanted to go to Boston and someone had to figure out who's going to pay for the train ride and what a ticket's going to cost. That early, like the beginning of baseball, but married to the 1990s internet boom where you also have technology companies that are part of that mix. So, so please use my platform. Uh, let's use these events. Let's play these games. So you take those two things and combine them. That's where we are today. Yeah. Let me jump in. Um, so you said, I want to repeat it, because Mike okay. even looked at me when you said it. <laughs> he, he went, whoa. Esports is not a fad. It's a cultural shift. So you, wow, that's, that's a heavy phrase. And so you talked about schools. Talk to me about what you're seeing, because I know it's happening at college level, because I've mentioned a local school that we're involved with here that is mm -hmm. very aggressively pursuing it. And... What are you hearing from this whole idea of a cultural shift? So um, I guess I'm trying to say, like, well, what are parents or what are adults saying about this? What, do you, what kind of feedback are you hearing from those folks? If anything. It's interesting. It depends who it is, right? Uh -huh. So I think when you see a cultural shift, the assumption is that it just happens and that everybody's involved in it. But I think the biggest reason why this is hidden it's because it goes there's a in my definition of how cultures or, or generations divide i have the the linear media generation and i have the on-demand media and what that is is the media digital it's like if you have comcast and you watch cable that's traditionally what it is the other side of it on the video on demand side of it the on-demand side of it you have youtube twitch hbo go netflix and all these kind of pay pay as you view packages um I actually started one of those companies back in 2006. So I look at the world that way. And because the vast majority of the on-demand generation are people in their 20s and below who do not have cable in their house and use only cell phones mm -hmm. and laptops, mm -hmm. the things that happen at that level 
are not even acknowledged or known about at the linear level because traditional cable doesn't cover any of it. So you have these sporting events in Europe and in the U.S. and Asia that have viewership numbers of 46 million per event. And nobody has heard of it at the linear level because it's just not covered on TV. Well, so let's talk about that. When you're talking about all these people and TV coverage, and like I, I see on TBS on Friday nights at 10 o'clock, there's an esports league on for an hour at some point during the year. How much money is there to be made? Who's who's sponsoring this? Where's the what's the economics look like? Well, I think there's a lot. It's similar to the regular sports space. The 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 trick is going to be to get enough eyeballs into your event or your organization. Um, a lot of the stuff that we're doing now, that people are doing now, it hasn't really gotten to that level yet um, for the vast majority of it. Although, as we mentioned earlier, there are several events that are in the tens of millions for viewership. Right. But if you look at YouTube, where the majority of YouTube and Twitch, there are millions of views a day, probably an hour, of YouTube streaming personalities that only deal with gaming. So people right. watching other people play and talk gaming. If you look at those numbers... I mean, some of those, you know, I know of one personally who his five-year contract is about $10 million. Holy mackerel. So, that's so, a, that's and, a lot of money. And that's one guy that I know that's probably a much higher echelon. Hmm. Wow. Wow, that's pretty incredible. Um, tell me your website again, Anthony. G3esports.gg. Okay, G3esports.gg. You want to check this out. So, um... Mike asks a very pointed question. I want to ask you another pointed question. Uh, we want to serve you as well as serving all the other listeners uh, to PSA Podcast and who think about automation and technology. What is it that you want to leave us with? What, what, what audience do you want to make sure that uh, hears this message, learns from it, et cetera, et cetera? Help yourself out. Talk to me. Sell your heart out. Well, we're... You know, I don't know if I have a specific message to send out. I think if I was going to evangelize for the esports profession, uh, I would say that this is larger than most people think it is. You know, once they know, hear the word esports, they may not know what that is. But if you ask them, hey, do you know a kid playing Fortnite or your son playing, you know, your 20 year old son still playing video games? Almost always the answer is going to be yes. Mm-hmm. And I think that sort of, we mentioned earlier, like it's cultural shifts don't happen instantly with everyone. I think that's one of the things that I want people to realize is that this is a huge, huge thing. And these groups, millennials and Generation Z, are larger in number than Generation X and the baby boomers. So not only are they doing this more than anybody else, but they have there's more of them doing it. Yes. And that this is the this is the world that's gonna be. This is the world that's gonna be. And VR is the next step into that which I see a lot of esports companies testing the waters a little bit. Uh, and, you, and you're going to be in the middle of all of it. We can say we knew you, right? You are uh, in the middle of it. Sure. Oh, it's hard. I mean, this is something, <laughs> like every other person listening to this, and you guys, everything you do is very difficult, especially in this space that you're really trying to carve out, not just what you do, but the relationships, because there are a lot of relationships to, to be made at this level at this time. But two, three, four years down the line, it's going to be a much tougher business. So we're making a, a big play into it now when we think it's a relatively 
best time to do it. Well, it's not got, too early, not too late. It's got to be attracting uh, investors, people who look, you know, two, three, five, ten years out uh, out into the future. I don't want to put you on the spot there, but I would think that's happening. If you can, yeah, it's all about entertainment, right? So a lot of companies are out there putting content, esports content, on the internet. But the way that you get those big investments is if you create something that's of value to somebody else besides, obviously, the, the monetary return. So for a uh, sponsorships, you want to get the eyeballs. To get viewers, you need to make entertaining products. And if you make entertaining products and, and eyeballs, then you can tie those two things together and generate enough profit that you can get a good return on someone's investment. But for me, that isn't my priority. My priority really is to create an entertainment product. Because right now, that's where we aren't, you know, the, the esports industry has to figure that part out yet. It's difficult to put video games and broadcast them in the same way that you would like a basketball game mm-hmm. or, or a baseball game, football game, because it's a different dynamic. And we're learning from the YouTube industry with these streamers that that really is what the mm-hmm. audience wants to watch. And they don't care whether there's a fancy desk with graphics. They just want to be entertained. And that's what we're trying to strive on. That's where my focus is. So we're going to wrap up. Our guest has been Anthony, and pronounce your last name, Anthony. Oh, you put me on the spot. Yeah. Uh, God. God. G-A-U-D. God. Anthony sure. God. And his website is g3esports.gg. So, Anthony, thank you so much for being part of the PSA podcast. Thank you, guys. Take care.